executive pastor here at Rock of Grace. And uh, if I've not met you, it might be because I bounce between all of our locations and campuses, and I have one of those joys of kind of getting to know people across our locations. And if I've not met you, please come find me. I'm going to be hanging out somewhere in the foyer after service, probably near the green wall. And uh, I would love to say hello and get to know you, put a, a face to the name and a name to the face, whichever order you prefer, and you know, sleep well at night. I want to get to know you and get to know you guys as we grow in our relationship with the Lord. And this morning, I want to share with you about the answer that if you have kids and you ask them, hey, what you learned at church today, it's usually one or two words or variant of it, right? Like, hey, what'd you learn about at church? Jesus. And then parents get that answer. Yeah, where's your hand? If you get that one, it might be God. It might be some variant, one of those things. Like, it's like, Jesus, God. You know, I have a three-year-old, and Nobody taught him to say that that is the answer when you get picked up from kids' church. You know, when I know we pick him up and we're going in the car and I say, hey, David, what did you learn in church today? He'll be Jesus or God. Nobody taught him that, but he just learned. That's the right answer you say, right? Because if, even if you didn't listen, you can always usually say, say something with Jesus or God. Like, oh, yeah, that's good. What about it? But today we're talking about Jesus. We're going back to the essentials, if you will. Throughout our series last week, uh, Pastor Jordan opened up, and today we're going back to the basics of who is Jesus. You know, we talk about this and we sing about this all the time, just saying, well, I'm going to give my life to Jesus, but who is Jesus? Maybe you're early on in your faith and you might genuinely not really know the full answer to that question. And today we're going to provide just the entry level to really understanding what this looks like because there's Bible studies and books that just allow you to go more and more in depth with understanding more of who Jesus is. We cannot capsulate everything there is about Jesus in one sermon, in one sitting, in one conversation. And honestly, not at all because to me and to all of us, I like to know, at least for me, I like to know answers. Then we're like, I need cold hard facts in order to move forward. I need cold hard facts to understand. Some of you guys are like, I'm okay being left in the dark or being vague and I have no idea. But like, for me, I need something written down to a T, being able to understand it. Which for me in my faith meant I had to learn to move past that. Because I want everything I can understand about God to fit in this box. Because I can understand it. But the truth is, everything there is to understand about God and Jesus and who he is, it's like the size of this room and then some. But all I can ever understand is right here. And I have to learn to be okay that this is all I will ever understand. And there's far more about Jesus that I cannot comprehend. And that humbles me and that allows me to lower myself to a place of recognizing that there is no God like God. There is no one like him. There is no one greater. There is no one more powerful. There is no God like our God because he is not finite, but in fact is infinite in every way. So there's a story about this man, and this is real and you can look it up, and his name is Forrest Fenn. And this man had treasure. Do you guys have treasures? Maybe a literal treasure? Maybe it's a chest, maybe it's something. I know I've got a firebox in my house, I got some important things. I don't know if they're treasures, but they're pretty darn important. But this man, Forrest, had a treasure. And it was worth millions. I definitely don't have that treasure. Maybe you do. We'll talk later. 
But he had this treasure, and he hid it in the Rocky Mountains. And when he passed away, he left a cryptic message. Just a little bit of hint about where his treasure could be found. And for 10 years, people were searching and searching and searching for this treasure. In fact, two people died searching for this treasure. Can you imagine the tenacity of that? Saying, I'm going to go find this treasure. And in the hunt, they gave their lives looking for this treasure because they saw value in it. They said, I'm going to find this. This is going to change my life. And one day somebody did find it. He won't reveal the secrets of where, of where it was and how we found it, but the family of Forrest confirmed that this treasure was found. And see, it's important to know that people enjoy things like this, right? Because there's a reason to pursue something. There's something worth looking for. There's something worth, in some cases, giving your life for, right? Now, I don't know if you would say, I'm going to give my life for millions, but this leads us to a true treasure in our life, and that treasure is Jesus. Jesus is somebody that as we dive into this message, we will see is a treasure that we must pursue, that we must pursue with our lives. Because as much as we like to think finding a hidden buried treasure is going to change our lives, when we find Jesus, our lives are truly changed. Our lives are truly transformed. I want to share with you guys one of my favorite songs from my high school years. And it's from a band that probably the majority of this room, if anybody has ever heard of, unless you really liked Christian Screamo from about 20 years ago. I still enjoy it to this day. If you don't like that, we'll tuck it up and we'll talk about coffee. But this band is called The Showdown. And they have a phenomenal song that concludes my favorite album by them called Laid to Rest. And this song culminates by talking about a man who gave his life to Jesus and daily followed after him in pursuit of sharing the gospel. So some of you, I'm already be uh, challenging you. You're like, well, I just thought Screamo was angry sinners and you can't be Christian metal, right? You can't be mission Christians and scream like that. But let me, let me read these lyrics to you. Laid to rest. The burdens of battle and time run their course, and he falls. In the charge of the angels through the veil over Jordan and home, rise up and meet your father, joyous at the return of his son. And the world and its troubles mean nothing, only comfort and rest in his arms. What was left, a skin not but scars, life spent waging a war for a king. He'd yet to see, sweet now, his rest. Clothed in splendor, and joy in the presence of God, how he sings. I long to see your face. I long to be at rest. I long to end this war. I long for you to take me home. Rise up and meet your father, joyous at the return of his son. And the world and its troubles mean nothing only comfort and rest in his arms. Man, that song to this day gives me chills. I listened to it this past week. 
and to think about a man who lived his life serving Jesus. And we hear about it scarred from the world. Serving a king. Keeping his eyes on Jesus, yearning to see his Savior. Rest in peace. For us who follow Christ, who say Jesus is my Lord and Savior, one day that will each be us. When we come to him and we're going to be scarred from things of this world, scarred from battles against the enemy as we've talked about, even throughout worship today, that there are things that come against us. We've heard two testimonies of that just this morning. But there is healing in his name. And I can't think about the man that this song was written about. Because to be at that place meant that there was treasure found. That there was hope found in the one who brings restoration. Which brings us to the question, who is Jesus? We have songs with lyrics as beautiful as that. We have songs with lyrics as beautiful as what we just worshiped to this morning. But it's nothing if we don't understand and don't really know who it is that we sing these songs to. Colossians chapter 2, verses 2 through 3, I think we'll have it here on the screen, says, I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. What a mystery. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ, there are treasures of wisdom and knowledge that we don't understand, that we don't comprehend, and that includes his eternal peace. That includes his blessings. So it's important that we really lay this foundation down as a church, right, of who Jesus is. So if you didn't know, we're part of the Assemblies of God, and that's a, a fellowship and a denomination of like-minded churches that we all agree and hold to the same set of standards and belief and incredible fellowship amongst us pastors and churches, and we do things together with many other churches. And what's great is they really help us define this of who is Jesus. You know, we've got these 16 fundamental truths that we kind of hold as core doctrines to what we believe, and you see this throughout Scripture. And I'm just going to touch on a bit about who Jesus is in the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus wasn't just a man. He wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just any old person who lived and walked this earth. But he's in fact God. Triune in nature, three in one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And here are the things that all of Scripture points us to that says this is who Jesus is. That he is holy and he is Lord. And he is Savior, he is Creator, he is God. The first starts with his virgin birth. Luke chapter 1, verses 31 through 35. It says, now listen. This is being said to Mary. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. 
and he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth, even as she has conceived a son in her old age, that this is the sixth month for her who was called childless, for nothing will be impossible with God. So it starts off with a miracle. We often sing about this and hear about this all throughout Christmas season, but don't often give this really a second thought in February. Or really many other months. I don't know how many guys go around thinking about the virgin birth uh, in July. We sing songs about it all December, but not in July. Maybe we should switch it up. I don't know. But it really can, begins to lay the foundation that Jesus isn't just a man. Because Jesus also lived a sinless life. The scripture continues to prophesy, saying this is how you will know who the Messiah is. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 22 through 25. We've got a lot of scripture today. So if you're writing down, you made it, make sure you got that one going down. But here's what it says. It says, for you were called to this because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He did not commit sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins on, in his body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So we begin to get this understanding of why we worship Jesus. Because he fulfilled prophecies, and we see here, these are just the fulfillment references. And I want to supply you with these. You can go back and you can read this, and you can go and see all throughout Scripture what leads to these moments, leads to these examples of Scripture. But then it's also through Jesus' miracles. Acts 2, 22 says, Fellow Israelites, listen to these words. This Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him, just as yourselves know. We see Jesus' miracles all throughout Scripture. Next one is his substitutionary work on the cross. In other words, he was our substitute for eternal punishment. 2 Corinthians 5 21. It says, He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He bore our sins. He bore the things that we've done wrong against God, against others, and he took that full weight upon himself. And he gave his life on a cross, which led to his resurrection from the dead. Further culminating in our understanding of who he is as Lord and Savior. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 4 through 8 says, For I passed on to you as the most important what I also received, 
that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive. This is, this is when they wrote it. They're not alive now. Just making sure you're with me. But some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. Then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. And then it leads to his, Jesus's exaltation to the right hand of God. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. It says, for this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So he became superior to the angels, just as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. My friends, this is just an intro. I know this was a lot, and we moved fast on all of this. And I want you to know that I do want you to go home and continue to read this. Like I said, we're not going to be able to cover all of who Jesus is in one moment, in one conversation, in one sitting, in one meal, in one class. I don't know how many of you can read the whole Bible even in one day. I can't. I don't even know if it's physically possible, humanly possible. The word of the Lord is handed to us so we can continue to grow in our relationship with him and understand who Jesus is. But when we understand why he is who he is, the authority that was given to him. It begins to lay the framework and the foundation for understanding the treasure that we find when we find Jesus. See, Jesus is the joy of our salvation. We begin to understand who it is that we say, I believe in you, Lord. I believe in you, Jesus. Well, now we understand sometimes a little bit more of who Jesus is. See, so many people live without the joy of knowing the treasure of Jesus. Hear my heart in this. I love getting to go to celebration of life services. You might call them funerals. But there's a difference, right, between when you go to the funeral of someone who doesn't know the Lord versus a funeral of somebody who does. Many of you are shaking your head, so I assume you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you don't know, I pray that one day you get to experience the joy of truly celebrating a life, not just because of the life they lived, but because of the life that they will have in eternity with Christ. I still remember this to this day. I had a cousin, his name is Ron. 
And I went to his funeral, my mom's here, it was probably, what, 10 years ago now. And it might have been the most joyful service I've ever been to. His church went all out. It was just outside of Philadelphia. They had a full big band playing worship music. And when I say big band, I mean like the authentic big band, like saxophones and trumpets and you name it. Like they had a full big band celebrating not just the life that he lived, but the life that he has with Christ. It literally was the most joyful funeral I've ever been to. And I really want that to be mine one day. Yeah, there'll be tears of what we're going to miss, but there's going to be tears of hope and joy and celebration. There was genuine worship happening at this. Man, I want that for my life. I want that for your lives. As much as I'd like to say we're all going to last here forever, we're not. But man, what a way to leave a legacy. What a way to let people really know who's the first love of your life. Where is your hope? See, because otherwise, life without Jesus is a rat race. If you're not familiar with that term rat race, it means a struggle for wealth or power. A life without Jesus means we struggle for wealth or power in our lives because why? There's nothing else to live for. I don't want to live a life struggling for wealth and power, for authority. I want to live a life of purpose. And I can't think of any greater calling to purpose than that of getting to lead people to follow Jesus together. And we're all called to that church. It's not just me because I'm a pastor. It's not just Pastor Jordan because he came up with the phrase for our church. But it's a calling for all of us through the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19. Some of you guys are already seeing it in your head. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to lead people to follow Jesus together, no matter what your profession is, no matter where your paycheck comes from, no matter what you do with your time or your hours, there is a calling that is divine upon you and your time and your calling and who you are here today, now, and tomorrow to lead people to follow Jesus together. Everywhere we go, we can either point them to him or not. I'd like to not think about the weight of if I choose to not. See, life after finding the treasure of Jesus is an adventure. It's a joyful adventure, a challenging adventure. Have you ever felt challenged because of your faith before? I felt like sometimes living today is challenging because people don't adhere to what we believe or they don't hold to the same values or they don't hold to the same convictions. Jesus never said following him was going to be easy. But it's worth it. I'm going to shift the tone a little bit. I need uh, some volunteer appreciation. By volunteer, I mean if you're sitting here today, you're volunteer appreciating. And no, we're not going to sing a metal song, but we're going to sing a different song today with you guys. And if you know it, you know it. And if you don't, uh, you'll figure it out pretty, pretty quickly. Ready? So I'm not even going to tell you what we're going to do. I'm just going to start singing it. And I expect you, filled with the joy of the Lord, to just jump in. I've got the joy, 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 joy down. Where? Where? I've got the joy, 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 joy down. 
where? Down in my heart to stay. I watched a lot of you just go from like, mm, yeah, yeah, I'm here, to like half of you are now smiling right now. So I think we need to do this one again. Maybe a little faster, a little more upbeat, maybe a little bit more joyful. Some of you want to get that Pentecostal clap going in, that, you know, the good old stomp. You know, you're welcome to jump in. Ready? I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. If you genuinely have no idea what we just sang, YouTube it. Uh, but I'm sure you got at least a smile if you've never heard those words in that order to that tune before in your life. And man, really, like three quarters of you are now smiling. The other quarter, uh, we're going to have a special prayer service for you guys. Uh, it'll be Wednesday at 630. Be sure you're here. you got a class with Pastor Mark, and he'll help you with it. But man, when we find the treasure of Jesus, we find joy in our heart. You ever come across somebody who follows Jesus and you know that they are going through it and they're smiling? The audacity, right? Like, what are you doing smiling? Your life stinks. Uh, please don't ever say that to somebody. If you did, you know, again, pray for you. Go see Pastor Mark in his class on Wednesday at 630. Or mix, or mix somewhere around too. But man, we find joy in the Lord. And that joy to me is so much deeper when we begin to understand who Jesus is and where our joy comes from. Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. Now, I don't know if you've ever quoted that when you're bench pressing, but... Uh, I know for me, sometimes when days are just not going as expected, life is not going as expected, you can remember that Nehemiah, you know, he was in a captive state. You can go and read the whole story of Nehemiah. I'm not going to spoil it. I want you to go read it and experience it for yourself. But there was a whole lot of people in a season of turmoil, and Jeremiah comes out and says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. He will sustain you. doesn't always look the way we want, doesn't always come across the way we expect, but man, there's no joy like his joy. There's no joy like the joy that he gives in my heart. Colossians chapter 3, we're going to start with verse 1, move on to verse 12. It says, so if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now put away all of the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. In Christ, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free. But Christ is all and in all. You are being made new. 
daily as we surrender and give our lives to Jesus, who we saw through Scripture earlier, the universe was created. The Creator, our Creator, is continuing to make you new. You might use the phrase, the day you gave your life to Jesus as your rebirth, your reborn. Some of you guys might celebrate that day. Some of you guys might very vividly know that day or that date as a rebirth day and celebrate that. See, because when we are reborn in Christ, we are born again. That's a phrase you might be very familiar with, especially you've been in the church world a long time. When we are born again unto Christ, he continues to make us new. We ought to have that same curiosity as a growing child. See, I get to experience that a second time because I have, you know, a second kid. So my son is three, and my daughter is about to turn one next month. And I get to see the same milestones that my son was going through all over again and see how she is learning about the world, how she is learning how to navigate it, and how to grow in strength. Now let's apply that to our spiritual lives. When we give our life to Christ, a lot of the times you just think, all right, well, I give my life to Christ and I'm just going to continue doing what I'm doing. I'm going to keep exercising those same muscles. I'm going to try to just do that same thing, maybe a little different way. But when we are reborn, think about it. When a baby is born, they have to learn how to do everything from the beginning. We don't just jump in and say, all right, God, I'm giving you my life, but I'm going to keep doing what I did yesterday. I'm going to keep walking this world the same way I walked. When we must learn as young Christians what it means to walk in the Lord, to grow in the Lord, to be his son or his daughter, to walk in his ways. You know, Scripture talks about this with milk. We see this throughout Scripture. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Whereas a young Christian, as a young person coming to Christ, you know, there's a time where I'm going to be drinking that spiritual milk because it comes with all the nutrients and it comes with everything that we need to help me get going in my faith. But there's a time where just like us, we have to wean off of milk and learn to chew. We have to learn to chew on the word of God ourselves. And not just rely on what the pastor says behind a lectern on the stage. We need to learn as Christians, and if you're young in your faith, you know, we want to make sure that everything we provide, everything that we say from up here is continued to help you grow. But this, what we say up here, is not the sole thing that's supposed to feed a spiritually growing Christian throughout the week. But so often we fall in this trap. Maybe this has been you in a previous church. Maybe you know somebody that's like this, where we've left the church because I wasn't being fed. You've heard it. You might have said it. I'm not calling names, and there's no shame here. But the truth is, we can't expect that this is the only place I'm being fed from. We must learn to chew 
on the spiritual wholeness of the word of God. We must learn what it means to actually open up the Bible and read it and understand and spend time with Jesus. And that doesn't happen if I'm not sitting at home and reading the Bible. That doesn't happen if I'm not spending a time worshiping the Lord. That's not happening if I'm not spending time at home in communion, in prayer with the Lord. Yes, as a church, we want to continue to equip and give you everything that you can to grow in your relationship with the Lord. But if I need to come to Pastor Jordan or Pastor Andrew or somebody on staff or Pastor Mark for every single spiritual thing in our lives, then we need to learn to chew instead of come to our pastors for spiritual milk for everything. Because we want to equip you. Part of our job as pastors is to equip you to do the work of the Lord. We're not the sole workers of Jesus. Remember, we're all called to lead people to follow Jesus together. See, Jesus is the greatest treasure we can ever find. See, Jesus is our future hope. That's where it's important that we learn to chew on the word of God. That's where it's important that we learn how to spend time and understand what his scripture is saying and understand what the voice of God is saying. How many times have you ever felt like, Lord isn't speaking to me. People keep telling me to pray and seek after the Lord, but I'm not hearing him. When was the last time we read his word? If we're not familiar with his written word, we're never going to be familiar with his word outside of it. We're never going to know when he's speaking to us because he's the same outside of those words. God doesn't contradict himself. And if we're not familiar with what his voice sounds like when he gave it to us so easily, how are we going to expect to hear it when my life is chaos and I'm crying on my floor? Jesus is our future hope. See, even those who believed in him had difficulty recognizing the fulfillment of the promises in Jesus' person and ministry. John the Baptist was was baffled. His disciples took offense. If Jesus was really the Messiah and the king, where was his kingdom? It was only as the church reflected on its experience of Jesus in the light of the resurrection that they came to see this. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20. It says, for every one of God's promises is yes in him. Therefore, through him, we also say amen to the glory of God. You might have heard that rephrased as all of his promises are yes and amen. Will and the team can come on up. Acts chapter 13, verses 32 through 39 says, and we ourselves proclaim to you the good news of the promise that was made to our ancestors. God has fulfilled this for us, their children, by raising up Jesus, as it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have become your father, as to his raising from him from the dead, never to return to decay, he has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure promises of David, therefore he also says in another passage, you will not let your holy one see decay, for David, after serving God's purpose in his own generation, fell asleep was buried with his fathers and decayed, but the one God raised up did not decay. Therefore, let it be known to you, brothers and sisters, that through this man's forgiveness of sins is being proclaimed to you. Everyone who believes is justified through him from everything that you could not be justified from through the law of Moses. These are some of the things that they saw now is true about Jesus. See, they saw that he was the descendant of Abraham. They saw that he was the one through whom all people of all nations would be blessed. They saw that he was the Passover lamb protecting God's people from his wrath. 
They saw that Jesus' death and resurrection had achieved a new exodus. They saw that he was the mediator of a new covenant. They saw that his sacrificial death and risen life fulfilled and surpassed all that were signified in the tabernacle, and the sacrifices, and the priesthood. They saw that he was the one in whom we now have an inheritance. Greater even than Israel's Old Testament inheritance from the law. An inheritance that cannot be robbed or lost. A treasure ready to be found. See, when we sang, I've got the joy down in my heart, your smiles didn't just tell me you had joy in the moment. But I could tell by many of your smiles that it was a genuine joy of the Lord. I could tell you just by how you smiled what your relationship with the Lord looks like in this moment. Some of you are like, uh-oh. Sorry, I'm not calling anybody out. But think back to that. Just think back to 25 minutes ago when we sang that. Do I have joy of the Lord in my heart? Am I pursuing his joy? Am I pursuing him? Because there's no treasure like the treasure of Jesus. There's no joy that is brought about in our lives like his joy. And when I sing that I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, it's down in my heart to stay. His joy will not leave you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never do anything against you to harm you because you are his child, his son, his daughter, and he loves you, and he has not hidden this treasure from you. But in fact, his treasure is right here. So in a moment, church, I'm going to ask two very simple things. The first is if you're in this room and you're saying, Pastor Dave, I have never experienced that joy of the Lord. I've never given my life to him. In fact, I'm just starting to understand what that looks like. But today, I want to give my life to Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I want to find that treasure in him. Then this first part's for you. Where there's another group that I want to address. If you're in this room and you're saying, Pastor Dave, I've given my life to Jesus. I, I know he's my treasure. I love him with all my heart, but man, my heart doesn't feel joyful right now. See, scripture also talks about that when we mourn, he mourns. Maybe you're experiencing a pain in your life. Maybe you're experiencing something that might be making it hard for you to experience that joy of the Lord. And we've got prayer team members that as we pray, I'm not going to count, I'm not going to dismiss. There are prayer team members all throughout this room that are eager to pray with you because they want you to experience that joy. Just last week, I, uh, some of you guys who are in our digital Facebook group, 
I visited a dear friend of mine, a ministry mentor, somebody that I looked up to. For years, I've been a children's pastor and a family pastor. And this man in his mid-70s is, is facing some serious life challenges. And he's going through cancer, and his body is covered in tumors from head to toe. And I drove 13 hours last week and one day to go visit this man, Fred. If you've had kids here in 2021, he was our, our first kids evangelist we had here for our kids conference. And I went with my friend who's a, a pastor over in Hermitage and we drove. And as I visited him in the hospital, he's telling us, he's in hospice, not just in hospice, he's in hospice. He doesn't wanna know when the Lord is calling him home. He refuses to ask. But he's talking to nurses saying, how can I have a service here on Sundays? Can I lead a service? Can I tell people about Jesus? This man is in hospice, eager to tell others in the same building as him about the joy of the Lord. Not once did I hear him complain. This man smiled the entire time I was there. What a joy in his heart. I remember I texted him just a few weeks ago, knowing that he's been going through a lot, just saying, hey, Fred, how are you doing? And he replied, and I, I will save this text forever. And he replied to me saying, I'm doing very well. I am now in hospice. I can't fathom sending those two sentences together. The joy of the Lord is throughout that man's heart. The satisfaction in knowing that he has served Jesus faithfully to the end brings such great joy and peace. And I want each of us to know that peace till the day the Lord calls each of us home. And I share that to inspire you and encourage you that in the most darkest moments, the joy of the Lord is for you. So would you all stand? I'm going to ask the band in a moment to sing. And as the band sings, you are welcome to go and find a prayer team member if you're saying, Pastor Dave, I need the joy of the Lord in my life right now. Please, I'm not going to dismiss you. You can even go right now and say, I want to pray for the joy of the Lord in my life. But if you're in this room and you're saying, Pastor Dave, for the first time, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to find that treasure. Would you just raise your hands and say, today I'm making that decision. And maybe you're online, I see a hand. And if that's you, even if I can't see your hand, I promise you the Lord does. We're going to pray a prayer together. And in this room, if you follow Jesus, I'm going to ask you to say this prayer with me. There's nothing special about this prayer. But this is you. Come find me or somebody on our prayer team. Let us know that you made the decision to follow Jesus together. But otherwise, let's pray this prayer. And this is a prayer that is simply saying, Jesus, I'm choosing to give you my life today. And for what that means in each moment. Would you bow your heads and repeat this with me? saying, Dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you were born, lived a sinless life, 
bore my sins on the cross and died and rose for me. I believe in you, Jesus. Please be my savior and friend. Be the treasure and joy of my life. In your name we pray. Amen. See, there's nothing special about that as a corporate, but there's something special when it's authentic in our hearts. If you raise your hand, please come find me. I want to celebrate this with you. We've got a book here for you that we want to give you to help you get started on this journey and what this looks like. Or one of our prayer team members will also help you with that. But right now, I'm going to open it over to the worship team and let Will take this over. If you need to go, you're welcome to slip out, pick up your kids from kids' ministry. But you are welcome to stay here and worship. You're welcome to come find somebody to pray with. You're saying, Pastor Dave, I need the joy of the Lord in me. Maybe you're going through a tough situation this week and you want somebody to agree with you in prayer. Let's give it all to Jesus and find his joy. May his joy be our strength. So this morning, guys, I know we're almost done. We're almost done. But Pastor Dave did something prophetic, and he doesn't even realize it this morning. He said, I'm going to let Amanda sing. Is that what he just said? My sister whose story is almost exactly like what Dave just said. Her name was Amanda, who passed away 20 years ago this year at the age of 19. And this girl's middle name is Amanda. And I want to tell you that something inside of me, I don't know how to explain it, jumped when he said that. Because if you don't have the assurance today, like I do, when he said, so when he said, I'm going to hear Amanda sing, my sister used to sing. I haven't heard her sing in 20 years. She's singing today. Amen.